There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Gojo and Golik, Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., our buddy Emerson Lazia back holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston here. We got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, and catch the best of on VSIN from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern each and every day. Fun one guest-wise today, our buddy Jessica Smetana is going to stop by and help us break down these damn baseball pants and maybe a little of what's going on with Notre Dame (laughs) over the last 48 hours. And uh, Arizona State head football coach Kenny Dillingham going to join us here. Uh, Kenny's comments, uh, I think, brought some people on notice the other day talking about the current state of NIL and college football, the coaches that have been departing for the NFL and other levels. And I'm fascinated, Dad, as I'm sure you are, to get a current college football head coach at a power five schools vantage point on all of the changes in the sport. Kenny's one of the young guys. He's 33 years old. He's at the helm of his alma mater at Arizona state. And I think it's a really unique vantage point as one of the guys just now getting into his head coaching tenure in college football and how all of this has affected his experience even so far. Yeah. I, I look forward to talking to him, as you mentioned, a young coach and everybody talking, especially coaches about how hard it is to coach in college. And it certainly has changed. The landscape has changed. And in my opinion, what, what Kenny Dillingham said was very refreshing. And, you know, you'll hear him say it as well. It's just, you know, this is, this is a job a lot of people want, you know, not to say the landscape didn't change, but I'm doing something that a lot of people want to do and he enjoys doing it. So we look forward definitely to talking to him Uh, quickly for those of you on the bingo card with Jesse Cofield, uh, who is, who was part of this show uh, and is off now on her uh, as she's getting ready to give birth to her second child. Still at this point, we have no news of her giving birth to that child. So for those who are trying to guess the date, she's due February 29th, still nothing. So uh, we get a non-pregnant Emerson uh, Latia in. I do have a food baby. Uh, 
Well, there you That's go. Right, there you go. Knew you had that. <laughs> Knew you go. had that. So that, like you said, lot, lot, of, lot, <laughs> couple of good guests, lot to talk about. NBA was back in action though. So uh, we got some, uh, some interesting games and uh, could set up some interesting scenarios down the road. Yeah, J.J. Redick, uh, thank you for your services during the dead period after the All-Star game. You can now rest easy because the Hoopers are back. And we had a bunch of action last night, Dad, but the nightcap. And one that I think a lot of people were interested in, mostly for nostalgia at this point, I think more so than reality, Warriors and Lakers played the Warriors, get a 128-110 to win in a game that, Dad, seems like a preview for the play-in round. And this has worked out incredibly well for the NBA ever since they instituted the play-in tournament for the postseason where you've gotten a couple marquee matchups you've gotten these teams with great names and star power on them and seem pretty evenly matched until golden state makes the run dad like both of these teams i think are absolutely capable of beating the other the problem seems to be in what the lakers ran into last night on a night where steph curry had 32 points and looked like he was cooking especially from beyond the arc early is The Lakers lose the math problem. They've gone all in on a style that, as we know in the modern NBA, is a little bit outdated. And the Warriors, capable of making runs like they did last night, combined with that little surge of youth they've had injected into the lineup this year, seems like it might be too much for them, but I think still is the play in everyone's rooting for. Oh, without a doubt. Remember, uh, LeBron did not play last night, still nursing that ankle. I think he's supposed to play uh, tonight. They've played twice this year. We had that great uh double overtime game uh a while back 145 144 lakers won and I, as mike said golden state wins it last night pretty easily 128 110 they play two more times they play march 16th and then april 9th and as mike said with the new play-in and for those that are unfamiliar with it the top six in each conference are automatically in seven eight nine and ten are playing for the last two slots and the way it works Seven and eight play one another. The winner is the seven seed, and the loser plays the winner of the nine ten game. If you're nine and ten, you actually have to win twice uh, to become the eighth seed. And right now, the Lakers and the Warriors are the nine ten seed. So they would play, if if the, the old if the season ended today, they would play. Winner would still have to win one more game to make the playoffs, but loser would be out. So it'd be that elimination game for the loser. And yeah. Listen, we, we all hope for that in a in a sport of series. Baseball does the same thing, you know, n- not going into the playoffs, but if you're tied at the end of the year, you have that one game. You're just not used to that in series sports, right? When you're playing one game to continue on. And and that's what goes on. We know with the tie in baseball and now with the playing in basketball, uh, that that's what can happen. It's one and done. If you lose that nine, ten game, you're done for the year. So we're all looking forward to that. We still have, like I said, what, 25 or so games to go uh, to see where that all can end up, to see, you know, where where they are. Because as we said, right now they're 9-10. and 10. They're three games back from Sacramento sitting in the eighth slot. So we'll see. Time will tell. But, yeah, I think we'd all like to see that down the road is that one game kind of elimination thing. Well, and you're right, Dad, the the single game elimination certainly does add a different layer to this sport than we've seen. And it it makes it somewhat exciting. There is that excitement around it in Major League Baseball season when we'd seen it. So 
I understand all that. And with these two teams in particular, you're right. LeBron James not being on the floor last night, huge factor in all that. But trying to spin it ahead, Dad, because as we mentioned, we can have this conversation because it seems like there's a clear upper crust in the West where there's a bunch of teams bottled up between like one and four. But then after that, a pretty sizable gap that I don't know if is going to be made up in the final 28 to 30 games. And so it kind of seems like this will be as is. And it makes me wonder, Dad, which of these teams would actually be more capable of potentially pulling one of those early round upsets once you get out of the play-in tournament. Like if you are Minnesota, if you are Oklahoma City, who are both rolling right now, OKC looked great last night against the Clippers. Which of these teams scares you more between Golden State and the Lakers? Because I'm inclined to say at this point, it's Golden State. Like with the way yeah. Steph Curry is playing combined with Jonathan Kaminga, Pajemski, and what he's done as a rookie this year, they just seem to have enough dudes that have been a shot of life into the arm of a Golden State team that, listen, is still going to have to deal with the fact that you're only going to get Clay Thompson like every other night, it feels like. Had a real off shooting night again last night after before the All-Star game, that 35-point barrage off the bench. It still feels like the Warriors, again, because of the style of basketball they play where you can go on these runs and bury you from beyond the the arc probably have the best chance of being the upset bid oh i don't think there's any doubt of the style that they play they're never out of a game and even steph curry said after the game last night he said you know not sure what kind of a run we can go on but we can beat anybody at any time you know we will he said we can be that tough out uh for a team and and i agree if you're one of the upper teams and you're looking down at the bottom of the conference that's going to get in i would without question fear Golden State more than the Lakers. And, and I get the Lakers are like the Cowboys, are like the Yankees, are like Notre Dame. Everybody talks about it. Everybody wants to talk about them. Uh, but but in this day and age of the NBA, Golden State, just it's kind of like Kansas City, you say Pat. And Golden State, you say Steph. You're in the game. You're in the game because you have Steph Curry. I mean, bottom line, Clay Thompson's not even that guy at the end anymore, and he can still come in and dagger you at times as well. So, yeah, their their style definitely bodes better for them. Um, it shocking somebody, and again, if they're in that in that you know nine ten and win and then win again, they would be the eighth seed. Now you're playing the top. The uh, th- that that scare would be for the top seed in the conference, right? Wouldn't that be something uh, to be a tough out for the number one seed if, in fact, they were the eighth seed? Well, and, and yeah, I mean, talking to Amino Hassan the other day, it's like, yeah, there is a premium for experience in the postseason. If you are this Minnesota Timberwolves team that, hey, you completed a great turnaround after a rough first year with Rudy Gobert at the helm and you look great. He's going to win defensive player of the year. It all feels good. And then you get this boogeyman that waltzes out of the play in tournament. Be terrifying for everyone. And there was part of me, dad, last night that as we got basketball back and a lot of teams were in action and we'll talk about a couple of the other MVP candidates that were out going to work last night. Yeah, I, I kind of got a little sad last night because you're going around in these games and you're seeing Steph Curry is this elder statesman who's at the helm of a team full of young guys that are coming alive. His running mates around him and Clay Thompson. I mean, Draymond's wearing all the gray in his beard. You hear, hey, Steph's in his 15th year and he seems like he's a guy that's kind of understanding Hey, like you said, we're probably we're not capable of what we used to be right now. And so he's navigating through that change. There's going to be even more change coming for him this offseason. Kevin Durant being 35, LeBron James sitting on the bench looking as old as he has. It's very like. 
I don't know. It was sobering to see and really realize for a second. Oh, man, the guys that have been the center of the basketball universe for the last decade plus are really close to the end. Like we are so close to a league that doesn't involve all of these guys. And as we talk about the next stars and next man up, man, it's big shoes to fill personality wise, what these guys have meant to the game and what they've done as champions. Sobering is the correct word uh, that you move on. Listen, this happens in every sport. You know, when you move on from certain players in the NFL, it's normally a quarterback, a group of quarterbacks you move on from. Here, I mean, you're seeing in this era, and it's a long era because of the, uh, how much LeBron and Steph have played, you're seeing without question, I don't think there's any debate at all when you, when you finish this, the greatest shooter in NBA history. There's a debate on those of LeBron James on where he is as far as greatest player of all time, but he's in the top team picture. So you're saying one of the greatest, in some people's minds, the greatest player of all time, the greatest shooter of all time. And oh, by the way, yeah, Kevin Durant, the seven-foot freak that we all looked at as this skinny kid coming out of Texas who couldn't bench 185 pounds one time at their combine, just be this unbelievable star in the NBA. So you're right. You're always looking for then the next. But these guys have done it over such a long period of time. You know, it was kind of like in golf. Who's the next Tiger Woods? And it was like, well, nobody at this point, you know, has grabbed that mantle. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Supernova Caitlin Clark continuing to drive the sport to new heights here. She did struggle last night, looked human after all, and Iowa's lost to Indiana. So the NCAA women's scoring leader, who's setting NIL merch records left and right, had just 24 points on 8 of 26 shootings. That's 3 of 16 from 3. She needs 75 points now to pass Pete Maravich for the all 
all-time record. Next game, she's going to be playing mad, Gojo. Illinois, Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern time. When she is playing, it feels like appointment television, does it not? So where do you think she ranks among biggest names, and not just college sports right now, but sports in general? Uh, she's certainly up there very high, and I feel like, Dad, and as we bring in our dear friend Jessica Smetana, who you guys can catch over on the Dan Lebitard Show, uh, in here to join us now. And we got a lot to get to with Jess, especially with very sassy baseball pants making the round Ooh. through MLB yeah. spring training. <laughs> I, I did want to touch on this because what's gone on with Caitlin Clark, as we've seen now, Jay Williams very publicly start to be the guy that I believe is running with a Stu Gotts take that Caitlin Clark can't actually be the goat because she hasn't won a championship yet. Uh, Jess, I don't know about you. I've almost been heartened to see this kind of like normal meathead sports talk radio device applied to women's basketball now is a sure sign that the sport really is crushing it right now if we're doing goat debates to this extent. That is a, a fair point. I think it is, it goes without saying, it is like the laziest take of all time, which is why we associate it with Stugatz. You just, uh, this player is not great because they didn't want a championship. Doesn't take into account the fact that she's playing in her home state at a team that is not a women's basketball powerhouse and did take them to the NCAA final last year. Not to mention all of the records she's broken along the way. But yeah, we're counting NCAA championship tournament rings and she doesn't have one, so she's not great. Sure. I think there's probably a, uh, a large group of people that would say, yes, this is a sign that women's basketball has reached the mainstream because now we are getting these types of takes. I think there's probably also a fair amount of people that think, do we have to do this in women's sports? We already do it enough in men's sports. Can we have our coverage of, of our sports be a little bit better, a little bit more nuanced, a little less hot takey? Um, but I think the answer is probably going to end you up somewhere in the middle where it's a little bit of this is good, but like we don't have to always do the hot takes for every single thing that happens. Yeah, to, to hear the line come out that I don't think she's, you know, one of the greatest. She's really, 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 really good. But do we go great? I mean, I just, you kind of start to shake your head. And again, as Emerson said, struggled last night, 20 points in the first half against Indiana, but just four in the second half, 75 points away uh, from Pete Maravich and the all-time record for division one. So I, I guess, I, I guess where, where does it go Jess with her? You know, we're talking about NIL and, and, and Jersey sales and, and what she means. I, I guess it's the sports have changed over time now with NIL and, and how you're out there uh, publicly, where, where does she sit in your mind in this new era of college sports? She's certainly one of the greatest of all times. I think that it's that type of conversation is always open for debate as it changes, but her college career is not over yet. I'm really interested to see how they do in the tournament this year. Um, as you saw, if you watched the game last night against Indiana on Peacock, women's basketball right now is as competitive as it's ever been. There are, I think will be around nine big 10 teams or eight big 10 teams in the tournament this year. There's uh, nine teams from the ACC. It's super competitive. It's really hard. NC state also lost last night. Um, it's going to be a real, really big challenge to get back to where Iowa was last year in the final. Um, if they do it, it will be because of Caitlin Clark. It will be because she can put up these numbers and she can have her, her fingerprints on every single point in a game almost. So Indiana played a really tough and physical game last night. Um, there's only a couple games left in the regular season before, you know, all the conference tournaments and things start and we get to figure out a little bit more what the seating will be in the tournament. But yeah, I think it's impossible to have a conversation about, you know, great college basketball players without including the person that now holds the record for the most points in NCAA 
women's basketball, which right now is Caitlin Clark. And it's going to be tough to beat that record. I mean, and I think even outside of that, because you're right, just these goat debates, it's interesting coming off all the JJ Reddick first Kate conversation the other day about the way that we cover all these sports. And I think my general takeaway was there's kind of room for all of it. If this is an access point that brings a couple more people to watching Caitlin Clark or checking out an Iowa women's basketball game because of that, that's probably a net positive, even if we'd like things at time to tamper down a little bit. But she's broken contained. She's become a star, not just in the world of college basketball. And we know the last time I feel like we really had a star of this caliber in that sport was probably Zion Williamson at Duke on the men's side. Like it doesn't feel like very often we get players that become a national headline like this from college basketball anymore, but we've seen in the last couple of years, especially the women's game has been much more adept at producing those. I'm not sure if you have a theory as to why that's been the case versus what we've seen from the men's game that I don't feel like has nearly as many household names right now. I think there's a lot of things to consider when we're talking about women's basketball and who does break contain and which players we give our attention to, because there have been stars in the women's game that haven't gotten the same level of attention as Caitlin Clark. And I don't, I don't say this to diminish like any of Caitlin's records that she's broken, anything she's done because she's a phenomenal player and deserves this attention. But I think like over the last several years, you can look at, a lot of players in women's basketball and wonder why they didn't receive the same level of fandom and stardom. Um, it, I think of Aaliyah Boston last year, one of the most incredible players I've watched in college basketball, who was uh rookie of the year this year in, in the WNBA. Um, she it was phenomenal to watch a, a really great player, a great interview. We had her on our podcast when I was doing our sh- my show with Kate Fagan last year, off the looking glass. Um, she's someone that is is now doing uh, studio analysis and she's she's everywhere, but I don't really see the same level of, you know, accolades like she's not getting the same. I'm not trying to, you know, put them against one oh, another. Obviously, I mean, yes, we, we can we can say the elephant in the room. There's a lot of white hoping that goes on with someone yeah, like I, Caitlin I've, Clark. Yes. It does in a sport I've, that's overwhelmingly led by black women seem to not platform them in the same way as their white counterparts at times. Yeah, and this is something that we've talked about a lot on the Levitard show. And Kate and I used to talk about a lot. Uh, it's the way that women's basketball seems to be marketed to a wider audience. It always favors women that are you know, straight women that are white. This is something that WNBA players have talked about for a long time. It's something that coaches have talked about for a long time. And it's, it's a reality about the sport that I think people want to ignore. And I think people, when you try to have the conversation, think that you're trying to diminish someone's achievements and Caitlin herself has handled all of these things really well. And I, I give her tremendous credit for it, but it is something that, you know, you can't really look at why hasn't there been a star like this? Well, I could I could tell you a few reasons. There have been really great players in women's basketball and people don't want to pay attention sometimes. It, yeah, it, well, I very mean, she's true the big, and yeah. You know, she's the biggest star right. in women's basketball right now. South Carolina's the best team in in basketball right now, trying to go undefeated first time since UConn did in 2015-2016 season. So, we'll see how that plays out. To go from a serious topic to a not so serious one, just the uh, Major League Baseball new uniforms came out and basically they're see through. So what does that mean for you? Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> it's insane, right? Like these pictures that I'm seeing on social media, I don't even think you can 
put them on your show because they're so graphic. Although I guess you're oh. about to. Um, the, so this picture you're showing is, is uh, you could see the shirt tucked in through the see-through pants. I saw some photos on social media last night that were much more graphic. And I'm not entirely sure if they were photoshopped or not. Um, nope. The fact that you can believe that it's real, I do think still shows that there is a problem there. Uh, so... I've I've seen the downplaying of like, you know, oh, we're making this like uh, performance material and this is better for the players and and players are mad because they can't customize the pants now. But the pants do seem to be the issue. They are a problem. I don't know how they fix the pants. Maybe you reissue the pants. I don't know who's going to pay for that. But the players do not like the pants. And now we are seeing balls through pants. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there no, it's go. uh, it's gone from balls and strikes to just balls in spring training <laughs> so far for Major League penis. Baseball. But maybe sex sells. We got the was... pitch clock coming yeah. up. I don't know if the penis was photoshopped, but I saw a penis. Yeah, no, dudes are letting dudes are letting it dangle for sure. Thunder from down under. Sweet Jesus. Well, everyone, keep your head on a swivel during <laughs> spring training. Jess, thank you as always. Michael Jr., Michael Lick Sr. here. Our thanks to ASU head coach Kenny Dillingham for joining us. And, and Dad, talking about the, the headline that came off, and Emerson set it up before the last segment, but it bears repeating the tweet from Adam Schefter yesterday. So USC running back coach Keel McDonald had gone on and been hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. He was another one of the college coaches that had made the jump to the NFL this offseason, which is one of those things that does happen, I'm sure, for position coaches more often than we see in a given year. But people have become incredibly sensitive to it this year because we've seen a few high-profile names make the jump. We've seen guys like Jeff Halfley, who were head coaches at Power 5 schools like Boston College, make the jump to being position coaches in the NFL. And Adam Schefter became the latest in a group of people to tweet about the trend that emerged this winter. College coaches tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world, and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches have already left. Many more want to. What I'd say about this, because you asked about how true I believe this statement to be, Dad, there's some truth that I think the NFL has always been more appealing for certain reasons than college football, yes. right? Before it was this, it was just the general idea of having to go out in the road as much as you do to recruit. And what a time suck that is having to worry about, are these guys going to class? Are they handling all the other business that comes with being a college football player versus an NFL player where you just go and coach ball with those guys in the NFL? So there's always been that appeal. Do I think some of this has expedited that? Absolutely. I said at the beginning of all this NIL change, some of these rule changes were going to make a certain section of the coaching population. And I figured it would be a little bit older and a little bit more accomplished decide, hey, you know what? I've done enough. I've been around for enough. I don't need to deal with another round of change in the sport. I'm probably good in all this. Some people got a little shocked when you had younger guys like Halfley joining the cause and joining the fight in that. But dad, I, I the problem I run into is 
the way it's framed usually ends up becoming deeply anti-player where it's all right well we got to take away from these guys when the group that had less suddenly gets some it feels like they've got everything and that's sort of what's gone on with the players and all of the new rights they've gained here where yes it hasn't been rolled out the best way I think we can all admit that for coaches who didn't have any say in how this process went too so there is empathy or sympathy that I have for coaches in these positions but when it's made out to seem like oh we're losing these great men. How is this sport going to go on? When, as Kenny said, if a coach leaves, there's going to be someone else ready to step up and take that job because the money power and everything else that comes with these jobs are still incredibly appealing to a lot of people that don't have that NFL opportunity because there's only so many of those at that level and only so many people coaching in college that are actually qualified for them. So I think that part gets overstated a lot. Yeah, I would like to see numbers associated with what Shefty's tweet was, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, because I, I think always the appeal for coaches, coaches want to eventually be head coaches somewhere, be it in college or get to the highest level. And that's the NFL. That's, that's always been there always. So coaches, uh, when they get the opportunity to jump to the NFL are going to take that, even if they're a coordinator in college to maybe be a head coach, they'll take a position uh, to be a position coach in the NFL because now they're in the NFL and they start that NFL clock going of being an assistant coach. So that's always been there. Now, to sit there and say that the current landscape of college has nothing to do with coaches going would would be naive. There's no doubt that, that the pro style anyway was – more conducive to a coach not having to worry about, like you said, recruiting and now NIL and all the things that come along with it. It was, I think, to me, always more appealing. But there are some coaches that just want to be college coaches. They're happy there. If they can get a head coaching job in college, they'll do it for the rest of their lives. And, they, and they'll turn down uh, anything going to their pro sport Probably the one of the biggest ones, Mike Sashevsky. How many times was he, you know, wanted offered to be in the NBA and never wanted to? He just wanted to coach in college, and that's cool. But a lot of coaches they want to go to the top league. So, but I agree with to your point. It's just highlighted more because of the landscape of college football. So while I do think there is some truth to coaches wanting to maybe make that move sooner than they wanted to, I I don't think this is all of a sudden. Look at this thing going on in college coaching. Everybody wants to bail and go to the NFL. No, a lot of the people want to go to the NFL no matter what and understand they have to take maybe a lesser job in the NFL to, like, as I said, start their NFL clock to rise among the ranks there. I guess the problem I have is it's just presented as this existential problem in a sport that's got actual existential problems. And those have nothing to do with what the players have done here. And I got to check my own biases here, right? I'm deeply pro player when it comes to this stuff. And I'm always sensitive when it seems like people want to come back in and take what these guys have gotten and gained in ground where they don't have representation. College football is dictated to the players and not the other way around. They have very little voice. People say they have a voice now more than ever. It's true to an extent, but a lot of that's come from higher courts it's not been because the players have been able to go out here and necessarily will change with their collective might that's a lot harder than people make it out to be and so I know I'm very sensitive to that stuff but it just seems like 
this is another way to reframe NIL on the portal as this boogeyman that's destroying the sport while we watch major conference realignment, the playoff expansion, everything around the TV deals that governs the sport in college football right now as the real change agents in this. But then we go back and just try and scapegoat players and say, all right, well, you know, we can take a little bit back from what they have to make everybody else feel good and make the sport feel. I get it. We've changed your thing. College football is a very important thing for a lot of people. And when your thing gets changed as much as it is, it feels scary. Change is scary for all of us, no matter what, no matter what circumstance in life. I get all that stuff. But man, it's sometimes when you're going through that change, you got to just pause and understand that eventually you're going to create something of a new normal. And we'll figure out better ways. Hell, there's already change happening in college football right now. News that the early signing period in college football, remember they got two of them now, one in December, one of the normal ones that comes up at the start of the new year. They're going to move that one up now before the portal opens because we saw what a jumbled mess that had become when you got coaching staff trying to juggle both at once. We're making these tweaks to the system to try and make it run better. We created the transfer portal windows already. We're only a few years into this, so we're going to get better at doing this stuff. And I want to just make sure that we don't go and make this rash decision to make the rest of us feel comfortable that once again is another thing that's dictated to players who have no control over that circumstances, fully acknowledging that coaches can largely be in that same boat at times. Yeah, I I think one of the biggest things here is we're used to the NCAA moving at a glacier pace, right, on any kind of change. And now all of a sudden, you had NIL with players taking money anywhere they wanted, and you had a transfer portal. And all of a sudden, there was this massive change in a short period of time compared to what the NCAA is normally used to. And I just think it put a lot of people on their heels to the point where now we are making these comments of, boy, everybody wants to get out, where I don't believe that's the truth. I believe it's changed. I believe some don't want to do it anymore, but I still think for the most part, uh, Kenny is right. There will always be, for one coach that doesn't want to coach in college, 5,000 will want to and start their coaching career. So it's uh, that there's never going to be a shortage there. That That's never going to be an issue. No, and I think that's ultimately where I want to work at. And most of us who have beat the drum for players over the years have done so because you've got this easy comparison right here of we just kind of want you to treat the players and the coaches the way that you treat the coaches more often than not, right? We've always highlighted, hey, the coaches have the ability to pick up and go wherever they want for a better deal, to move in a way that affects the 100-plus guys on a roster more so than any one player transferring can affect that coach in there. We want to see in situations like this, you give them some of that same age agency right now is we're talking about all this like it's the doom and gloom like hey these coaches just left a bunch of players high and dry this late in the recruiting cycle some of them are getting ready to start spring ball and no one bats an eye but when a player leaves all of a sudden he's committing some mortal sin against the franchise that he just left so (laughs) those are the inconsistencies that become maddening to those of us who put on the helmet before and now who try and guard their best interest when we get the opportunity yeah, there's so much more to talk about here. Nick Saban is is speaking up as well, talking about two-year contracts for players, so you know they're going to be there. And my thought quickly on that is, as soon as a coach can't move for two years when he signs a contract, yeah. then we'll start talking about that for the players as well. So let's all look in the mirror there, coaches, before you start telling the players, oh, you better, you better live up to that scholarship that we got you. Hey, maybe you want to live up to the contract the coach signed as well.
2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So the Bucs haven't really been able to figure out since Doc Rivers took over. They're three and seven during that 10-game stretch. And Giannis is no survivor to surviving changes throughout the franchise from top to bottom. Although this year may take the cake when it comes to instability. And the Greek freak sounds like he may be freaking out uh, quite a bit. A lot of things in terms of what's going on, what's wrong, a lot of things, up and down, changes, as I said, game plan, structure, all of the BS. We can start from bleeping ownership, changed. Coach, changed. Coach, changed again. Star players, changed. From Chris Middleton being in and out like so much effing S. It's just up and down, up and down. So many things changing, man, but we got to stay together. I don't like to victimize myself. I don't like to feel bad about myself. That's not who I am. So those were his quotes to the athletic there. Uh, gentlemen, we talked a lot about the uh, Bucks' ability to turn this thing around this week, but how much do you put on Giannis's shoulders, Gojo? Well, I mean, he's got ample shoulders to be able <laughs> to ginormous. shoulder that load. So I feel pretty good about that, as I feel good about your dramatic reading of Giannis Antetokounmpo's <laughs> quotes there. But yeah, let's run down the timeline for a second, Dad. When you look, this has been a year where there's been a lot of tumult in the Bucks organization. Back in April, the NBA Board of Governors approves Bucks' new ownership by the Haslam Sports Group. Two weeks later, after an injury sideline, Giannis early in the playoffs, they get bounced by the Miami Heat in round one. They fire Mike Budenholzer after that. They hire Adrian Griffin a month later at the end of September they bring in Damian Lillard for the trade then Giannis who had been non-committal over the summer about signing long-term signs and now you've gone through a season where they've already fired Adrian Griffin as he mentioned Chris Middleton who's an incredibly important player to this team and was on their championship outfit been in and out of the lineup replacing Drew Holiday with Damian Lillard hasn't been perfect yet Dame's also been a guy that missed games leading up to the all-star break so you understand that while we just look and say, well, you've got Giannis, well, you've got Dame, this should be easy and you should be able to win still. 
a lot of that changing ground underneath their feet makes it understandable that especially in the first half of the NBA season, things would go wrong. But now down the home stretch, and especially now that Doc Rivers has framed this the way he has, there's no excuses. And if you lose, you're going to get blasted. No. So they better get right and figure it out. So that that's the thing. Are these And, and I also love when he goes through the whole timeline, then says, I don't like to victimize myself. I I don't feel, you know, I don't want to feel bad about myself. That's not who I am. Th- thanks for just listing then everything that says that's that's what you <laughs> did. So it comes down to are they are they excuses or are they reasons? Are these reasons that you are where you are or are these just excuses to say this is why we are where we are? And I think some are reasons, some are excuses. You know, changing a head coach, you know, means changing of styles. Uh, they were horrible defensively. That's why, you know, you make the one firing and you bring in Doc and it hasn't been working since. But to me, one of the biggest things is you haven't had your group on the court, right? Those 10 games we're talking about, three and seven coming, going into the break. Seven of those games, you know, you didn't have your three, Dame and Middleton and Giannis together. So that's what I had said before the break. And I'll say now, because Mike, you're right. Nobody care. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you've gone through. Nobody could care less about it. So deal with it. What you have, deal with it. And at the end, if you don't make it, will it be? Will they be excuses you're making or will they be reasons for why you didn't? And to me, the biggest thing right well, now is you have, you have 20-some-odd games to, if you once you can get Middleton back on the court, if you can get this lineup playing together for any amount of time, how well can they gel before you hit the postseason? Dad, I think the difference between an excuse and a reason generally tends to be the source, right? Their reasons when they come from us, they sound like excuses when they come from the people that are actually going through it. That generally tends to be because all the things he mentioned, if we're coherently analyzing basketball, are reasons why if you're grading against the other great teams in the league, you would say, all right, there's some instability here versus continuity that other teams have that are doing really well right now. We've got to factor that into our analysis. But when you hear it from Doc Rivers, when you hear it from Giannis Antetokounmpo, that generally tends to be the time where it resonates differently because we just don't internalize it that way. We don't receive it that way as a public when it comes from the source, when it comes from the people involved in it, because then we just call it excuses. And then we seem like these great people, we expect to do great things, are trying to give themselves an escape hatch here when they're just saying the same things that most of the rest of us do. So I think that's a fine line with those two things, especially when you've got one of the guys that's in the conversation for the best player in the world. Cause in this sport in right. particular, what do we always assume? Hey, if you're one of those guys, you're supposed to be able to bootstrap this entire thing. Even if that's always been somewhat unrealistic, that's how everyone perceives it. And so it makes things very interesting. Like going into tonight, dad, we're going to make this game with the Milwaukee bucks and the Minnesota Timberwolves our cash it or trash it segment presented by DraftKings. Stay tuned. You're going to hear more about DraftKings and all it has to offer throughout our shows. DraftKings, the crown is yours. You're going up against the number one team in the Western Conference tonight. The T-Wolves are a four-point favorite home against the Bucks. The Bucks really need this win. And you mentioned they have been three and seven going into the All-Star break. The Minnesota Timberwolves have been seven and three going into the All-Star break in their last games. And dad, I will absolutely cash a Bucks win here because what would be the funniest possible outcome? What would be the dumbest thing that could happen? And generally when I bet it tends to be hey think of the funniest possible outcome because usually sports are pretty dumb and the dumb thing can happen and the bucks have been sitting around all all-star break and hearing all the talking 
and hearing all the chatter and you've got a Minnesota team that's been riding high and rolling for most of the season and they look really good and this Milwaukee team is another one they do have a core of guys with championship experience so I would not be surprised Milwaukee plus 160 as underdogs on the money line tonight I'll take that one because again this is now going to be a home stretch where I do wonder as certain guys get healthy as lineups start to tilt more towards the rotations you'll have in the postseason if the dumbest possible thing could happen which is this Bucks team that we've been railing on for the last week would go out and beat the one seed in the west so to me i mean i i think i, I would cash it for milwaukee as well but you know you wonder again about chris middleton you know is is he's listed as day to day um you know been out since i think it was february 6th he's or february 8th um so to me i'll i'll start buying more into them when he comes back and can get healthy but I do think going into the break, how they were playing, that they're going to come out and they're going to come out and try and come out like a ball of fire. So I, I would cash it on Milwaukee tonight as well. I would agree with you there. Yeah, I, I and we'll see. Like, I think for a lot of these teams, we're going to be paying attention to what happens coming right off the break, knowing full well that if they lose, we'll probably get another great Doc Rivers quote about how everyone's coming back from Cancun now. We had the foot coming out of the parking lot and all those things. But, Dad, I, I do think at some point, like, while we talk about the difference between excuses and reasons, you know this as someone that was in tied locker rooms for a long time, sometimes there is something to be said about just not saying much. Like when you're one of the teams right. that's going through it and is in the fire a bit right now, with the opportunity that they have to in the Eastern Conference with the 76ers being what they are currently, with the Cavs being a team that people are going to have trust issues with in the postseason because of what happened last year, and the Knicks as a team that, yeah, people want to believe in. Jalen Brunson and them have been an awesome story, but still also remains to be seen in that time of year. You've got a great opportunity. It might just be time for everybody to stop. And listen, I say this as a guy that used to be the quote guy, that used to be the guy that did well with the media, and Giannis has always been that. It might just be time to give people a lot less right now in the name of protecting what your team's trying to yep. do. I would agree with that. And and quickly with Chris Middleton, I say when he can play and play healthy, in Minnesota, he didn't practice with the team. The ankle is still not fully healed, so I certainly wouldn't expect uh, to see him. It would just be a matter of how many more games does he miss because you want that ankle to be healthy. The last thing in the world you want is for him to come back and tweak that thing again. So you do want it to be fully healthy. He has been out uh, a while uh, with that ankle, so that needs to be healthy if this team is going to do. Uh, that will be a reason <laughs> and not an excuse uh, if they are, if if Middleton isn't uh, healthy enough to play with this team, or tweaks it again, especially when the playoffs roll around, so they got to make sure he's right. Yeah, uh, well, Giannis and Drew Holiday, I feel like always got a lot of top billing. You watch the end of a lot of those games, and it was the ball in Chris Middleton's hands and what he can do creating for himself, especially that ended up being so special for that team. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.